0: Dear plant friends, thank you for joining me today out here on my patio slash recording studio here in my sweet little town of Taylor, Texas. Here we are. It's the first full week of January, and I gotta say, I've kind of miffed about things in my garden because I had spent. A decent amount of time trying to get ready for that first round of freezing temperatures of 2022 i was busy last weekend moving plants around getting them covered watering them in and whatnot and i had thought i had done a pretty good job getting ready for the drop in temperatures but what i didn't consider was the ridiculous winds that also came along with those temperatures. When I had gone uh, outside to check on my plants the next morning, I found that most of the uh, coverings that I had placed to help insulate my plants, um, for the most part, had partially blown off thanks to that wind. And one bed was completely exposed because... The sheet had completely blown off and was laying in the yard, so my broccoli is dead, and the lettuce plants aren't looking really that great either. They're barely hanging on. Um, some of them are still alive for sure. I can tell by the inner parts that they're still they're still alive. So I'm going to leave them as ugly as they are. I'm going to leave them for the time being, and we'll see if they come back. Really, that is what we get here in central Texas during the winter. Sunshine and really unseasonably warm some days, and then quicker than you realize, the very next day we'll get like a 30 or 40 degree drop in the temperatures with some insane winds to go along with it just like we had this past week this winter here in our part of central texas we got those freezing temperatures and we dealt with those nothing insane and crazy like the winter storm of february 2021 but for me, it was definitely cold enough to stir up some panicky feelings, and just remembering what an awful week that was. It was absolutely horrible, but we got through it. It's cool. Now, this week, when I was walking around my backyard and feeling really annoyed by my failed efforts to completely protect all of my vegetable beds. I was also kind of amused by what plants were just barely affected by that round of frost and cold. Since 2021, December of 2021, was the warmest December um, as far as Central Texas goes, we had some nice spring-like temperatures for most of the month of december and that warmth actually stimulated growth for plants that usually don't start appearing until the springtime plants like horse herb and spring cleavers chickweed and dandelions i've had um, a ton of dandelions in my yard um, in December and then, um, now in January still, really a surprising amount of yellow dandelions popping up in my yard, surviving completely on neglect. And that just kind of cracked me up, especially because I was running around, um, kind of silly trying to protect my lettuce. Like I said, I feel pretty good that some of the lettuce will be okay. It'll come back. If not, what am I going to do about their dead. So I really honestly planned on sowing some lettuce seeds anyway. It'll be fine. If not, I'll just buy some lettuce from the grocery store and we'll eat that. All right, speaking of seeds, I did spend some time the past few evenings with Flipping through my 2022 seed catalogs that I would ordered and gotten in the mail. And I have one that has lots and lots of really interesting um, seeds in there. And a lot of them are somewhat hard to come by in the United States. Seeds that you just aren't going to find in the garden centers at the big box stores. It's a, a pretty thick catalog and full of nice pictures and details, even a few recipes. And I have a pad of um, those neon green sticky notes, and I started flagging the pages with of that catalog with those, and you know, scribbling notes um, about the seeds that I found interesting. And already, I can tell that I have way too many pages flagged. So. There's really no need um, for me to order all those. I'm going to have to go through and make some tough decisions about what I really want to try this year. Because I do have all my favorites that I definitely want to grow again. But we'll see. I've had a good time uh, going through my seed catalogs. And honestly, I am excited and I'm happy for the new year. I have a really good feeling about 2022 And I'm also super glad that the mornings are gradually starting to get lighter earlier. And that just gives me just a little more time to walk around my yard in the morning before I have to start getting ready for work. And I'm excited because it'll be springtime before I know it. So I had spent some time talking about what I call holiday cactus, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter cactus... Those pretty drapey cacti that bloom right around the holidays. These are those um, Schlumberger cacti. And I have two of these plants. And one is white, and then I also have a pink one. And based off of the shape of the pads, they are both Thanksgiving cacti. But these plants are so messed up. (laughs) Neither of them bloom at Thanksgiving. The white one is a little more timely. It usually blooms between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But that pink one is ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. I've had this plant in the same spot on my kitchen windsill for nine years. Years when it actually bloomed, it, it was predictable-ish. It consistently bloomed um, right around Valentine's Day, like maybe just afterwards, President's Day. And I jokingly called it um, my President's Day cactus because that's definitely was not blooming in Thanksgiving. But for some reason, this year. And just since New Year's Day, really, this small pink cactus has put on two flowers. And they look like they will be opening up in the next week or so. We are still a good month away from President's Day. And I have no idea what's going on. I don't know. Maybe it just wants to try something different this year. And I'm fine. I'm just glad that it's blooming again. So you go, little cactus, you do your thing, you do it on your schedule, your plant. You don't even have President's Day uh, to celebrate, so just bloom when you feel like it. <laughs> also blooming inside my house is my African violet that sits on the kitchen's uh, windowsill right next to that pink cactus. Now, I've only had this um, African Violet for a little while. I got it in August of 2020, and I got it um, when my daughter went off to college, and that's really the only um, reason I remember when I obtained it. Um, I have always really liked African Violets, and when I was growing up, my mom enjoyed keeping Violets, And she had some that kind of lived on top of the refrigerator um, that were up close to those overhead lights in the kitchen. And these were um, really nice plants. They were nice and full. They were very healthy and happy plants. But I always missed out on seeing the blossoms because they were up on top of the fridge. So I never really could enjoy the flowers since they were so high up. But honestly, it was probably the best spot for them since they got tons of fluorescent light. Plants that have low light needs like ferns, dracenias, African violets, they do well with just simple fluorescent lighting. Even though they share the same name, African violets are unrelated to true violets. Now true violets belong to the viola family and those include the little wild violets and violas and pansies. And all of those are really common in American landscapes. They're great colorful landscape plants. African violets, on the other hand, they belong to the streptocarpus family and while they those all the, all those plants have similar number of petals on their flowers, and they have like the same color families. Um, these plants grow differently. They have um, really shallow roots, and their leaves are really cool. They're fleshy and they're fuzzy, and I think they're really neat. Even though they aren't violets, they do come from africa, eastern tropical africa like tanzania and kenya. african violets are very popular house plants and they've been that they've been very popular ever since they were first collected and started being propagated. african violets are small perennial herbs with those thick hairy oval-shaped leaves. The dark green leaves are really soft and velvety. I just love them. They have kind of a long stem, and they're arranged in a cluster along the base of the plant, and they are really easy to propagate from leaf cuttings. Okay, let's do another song, and then some more information on these cute little houseplants. Blitz are considered low-light plants but they're not no light plants. African violets need adequate light for growth and flowers. They like bright but indirect light, so no direct hot sunlight streaming down on these guys. They are cute and compact, so they're really good for small spaces and they can easily adapt as long as there's supplemental light provided. This is going to, that supplemental light is going to help stimulate flower production. In an indoor setting, your African violets uh, need to be like under a light fixture and have the light on for them for half the day, 12 to 13 hours. If they don't get enough light, the stems are going to get real leggy and you'll have fewer blossoms. Remember that there are different types of light bulbs. Fluorescent light bulbs don't put out um, heat like incandescent bulbs. Those incandescent bulbs can get pretty hot to the touch. And African violets don't like the heat. So be careful with those incandescent bulbs because you could accidentally cook your um, African violets and that would kill them. Unfortunately, you can find full-spectrum, compact fluorescent light bulbs that will fit in our standard household lamps. So if you're going to switch out your light bulb, find one of those compact fluorescent ones. African violets do best when the temperature range is between 60 and 75 degrees They are sensitive to changes in temperatures, so they don't like sudden temperature changes. So find a nice place in your house that has comfortable and consistent temperatures that aren't going to be impacted by intense sunlight streaming in or drafty windows or drafty doors if the leaves look burned then they've gotten too much sun or too much cold air so be mindful of that when you are placing you're picking the perfect spot for your african violet african violets don't like their roots to get cold either so use tepid or room temperature water when it's time to water them. You want to water them just as soon as the surface feels dry. They don't like to dry out, and they don't like to be soggy. They like well-draining soil, so never allow them to um, sit in a dish of water. If you want to give your African violets a little extra nutrition, you can add some liquid organic fertilizer to their water. Just a well-balanced formula with nearly equal amounts of the three key plant nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are the NPK numbers on the package label. So it'll be like 10, 10, 10, or 5, 7, 5. Any of those that are kind of even are going to be perfect. You just don't want one that has like 30... 10, 12. That's got twice as much nitrogen. You don't want that. You want one of those that has an equal amount or close to an equal amount of the NPK. You don't need a special violet formula or anything that says like bloom booster on it. They just don't need the extra um, fertilizer. So they are pretty easy going little plants. You are listening to Flower and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you will go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you are out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page or plowandhose.com or check out the Plow and Hose Instagram and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to where you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast if you like the flexibility of being able to play pops and rewind my show whenever you want please go download some episodes and leave a review. It is super quick. You just click on the stars. This is going to help others find the show and gives a little um, confidence to people that Plown Hose is a pretty good show. And if you've already left a review, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. House plants in general and african violets in particular can be prone to mealy bug infestations mealy bugs are these fuzzy cotton white bugs that bunch up in clusters on plants and it kind of looks like mold or something if you look closely at them they do look a bit like white, fuzzy, soft, mushy pill bugs that kind of are segmented, looking like that. But they're actually not related to those. They are related to scale insects. And just like scale, mealy bugs get on your plants and they suck the juices out of the leaves and the stems and cause a whole bunch of damage if there's a, a big infestation. For sure, they will suck the juices out, and that's going to cause discoloration in your plants and tissue death. But luckily, mealybugs are pretty easy to deal with. You just have to stay on top of the treatments so that you can control those mealy uh, mealybugs. Some easy ways of getting rid of them include just Washing them off with water using isopropyl alcohol and treating mealybugs with insecticidal soap or neem oil. You can easily remove mealybugs with just a steady stream of water. Just holding, uh, just, you know, just put your plants in the sink and then pour some room temperature water on the infested area and make sure that you get them off of your plants. Another thing you can do, you can soak a cotton ball or cotton swab with some rubbing alcohol and then use that to wipe the bugs away. The alcohol will kill the bugs and you'll also be able to remove them from your plants. Just try not to get too much alcohol on the plants so Don't unintentionally um, burn them just a little bit and be sure to try to just touch the bugs. A little bit safer safer option is homemade insecticidal soap. It works well on mealybugs too, but with plants like African violets, instead of spraying them with insecticidal soap just do what you did with um, the alcohol dip cotton ball or cotton swab into the solution and treat your plants that way just wipe it on those mealy bugs and knock them off insecticidal soap works on soft body critters by drying them out the soap sticks to their bodies and then it causes them to dry out. Just like, you know, if you don't get all the soap off your hands and it makes your hands feel dry, yeah, well, um, that soap on those little bugs, it just dries them out and it kills them. Neem oil is another option for you. It's a natural substance derived from the neem tree. The oil affects the abilities for those bugs. And to digest food and that's how they die another thing with neem oil is that it smells really gross and that kind of deters pests from landing on your plants but i'm not too sure about doing that on the ins inside the house um, mainly because it's inside and you're going to smell it too but if you are interested in learning more about neem oil Go check out the June 20th episode of the Plown Host podcast from last year. It's episode number 24. Be sure to download that one and listen to it if you want to learn all about neem and using it in your garden to treat pests and diseases. Last week's show, I brought up fruit trees and i wanted to bring them up again this week because fruit trees are wonderful things to add to your property not only are they ornamental when they are blooming they provide some shade but then on top of on both of those things you also get fresh fruit so that's That's awesome. Here in Central Texas, all the local independent nurseries get their primary fruit tree shipments in January. This is when there is more variety available because it's getting really close to planting season for fruit trees in Central Texas. With that miserable freeze last February, A whole bunch of people lost their young fruit trees and the nurseries were also impacted too by that cold. So inventories of Texas grown trees and including fruit trees, they might not be as plentiful this year. So you ought to plan early if there's something particular that you wanted to add this year. Bare root trees are nice to get if you can get them. Not only are they usually less expensive than the potted container grown ones, but they're also easier to move and they're easier to plant And because they have no soil. Container grown trees can be quite heavy. Not necessarily because they have a better root system, but because they have all that extra weight from the soil in the container. Bare root trees are only available for a short time because these little trees are dormant. And when it starts to warm up in the spring, that's when the plant wakes up and starts wanting to grow. And once it starts growing, this is when any of the leftover bare root trees at the nurseries, they'll get potted up into containers to protect the roots. And when this happens, you will end up paying more for a container-grown tree if you wait too long. Because their roots are completely exposed, there is a very short window for planting bare root trees. You need to buy and get your bare root trees in the ground as soon as possible, preferably right when you get them home so they don't get damaged or dried out container grown plants you have a little more time you don't want to like mess around and not get them in the ground but be sure when you're shopping for trees to find out if the variety that you want is self-pollinating or if you're going to need a second tree to cross-pollinate apples pears and plums will need a buddy tree they have to cross-pollinate peaches, apricots, nectarines and loquats are self-fertile. They do better if they have a second one, but if you can only plant one tree, apricots, peaches, nectarines, loquats, they're self-fertile so you'll only need one. Speaking of loquats, I was walking around my backyard this past week and I noticed my sad little loquat tree. It used to be a really nice sized tree and this time last year it was covered in blossoms and honeybees would seek out that tree. Last year's winter storm did a whole lot of damage to it but it was still alive and slowly but surely it's Surely it's come back and I've got some decent new growth, so it's rebounding and I love that because loquats are great trees. They stay green all year. They bloom in the winter, and then the fruit is ready to be picked in early May. Being winter time with less sunlight, there really aren't a whole lot of plants that are blooming right now. So loquats are awesome for bees and pollinators that stick around with this new growth I really have not noticed any new flowers I'd be super surprised if I got flowers this year I don't know I'll have to make an effort to remember to go and take a closer look but it might still be a little bit early for them I wanna circle back to seeds and start talking about seed starting because here in Central Texas, if you wanna get ahead of the game and put out your warm season veggies as early as possible, warm season veggies like tomatoes and peppers and basil, you need to start seeds Six weeks before the last average frost, which here in Central Texas is early March. And for us, that falls around March 5th. So what we got to do is count back six weeks from the week of March 5th. So that means we are looking at needing to start our new baby seedlings indoors sometime around the week of January 18th. And that's right around the corner, but we still have time to shop for some really cool seeds and get our seed starting supplies like trays and soil and pots and all that. Honestly, I haven't been out looking for seed starting supplies, but I do remember from last year that when I started to look about this time last year, it was still too early for the big box stores to have them but you can always shop online but even better check out your independent local nurseries there's several around in our area and they're going to have the seed starting supplies because they know we've got to get started early now you can get all fancy and buy Seed-starting equipment like light system and timers and electric warming pads. But you definitely don't need to buy these things. You just need a window that gets at least six hours of direct sunlight and some sort of covering to keep your seeds nice and moist. That's really one of the challenges of starting seeds indoors, is keeping the soil moist. With the natural warmth from the sunlight and some of the light sources inside plus indoor heating indoor the indoor air is going to have less humidity than outside and you don't want to have your new seedlings struggle by not having enough moisture you need to find some sort of way to make like a little greenhouse environment so your seedlings will have good humidity seed starting trays sometimes come with lids that you can use but you can also use like plastic bags or a plastic cover and that's going to help trap the moisture in look around your house and see what you could possibly use as a lid you might just like go through your recycling can and maybe find something in there or you can modify a clear storage tub and just drill some, flip it over and drill some ventilation holes in it. Not a ton, just a few to help um, have it ventilated a little bit. I've ordered um, three new types of seeds to try this year. I haven't tried any of these before, but I got silver fir tomatoes, seeds for black sea man, and sunrise bumblebee tomatoes. The sunrise bundle, bumblebee tomatoes are small yellow um, cherry tomatoes, but they've got red stripes on the outside and they look really cu- they look really cute. so that was kind of an impulse purchase, but the description said that they're really flavorful and quite sweet. The silver fir and the black seaman tomatoes those also sound really interesting to me they're both heirloom varieties from Russia black sea man tomatoes are a deep dark mahogany colored tomato Um, but the tops of them around the stem they have like these black shoulders on it and they look I think they look really neat they're a medium sized tomato and I'm looking forward to trying them I am a little worried about how well these Russian varieties will do here in Central Texas, but the silver fir tomatoes came highly recommended by an organic farmer who lives just outside of Austin, so kind of optimistic about trying those. Now, when it comes to the soil for your seeds you have a few things to consider. You could just go and buy some seed starting mix or you could use raised bed mix or just a minted soil from your own garden. There are advantages to all these options. Bagged seed starting mix is good because it's nice and lightweight and it can be really good because it's generally sterile. To me that's a little weird because we're talking about dirt and it's not normally sterile but anyway whatever <clears throat> sterile seed starting medium can be important um, since it's heat treated and it's much less likely to contain pathogens like fungi and molds that might damage your new baby seedlings seed starting mix is lightweight and it doesn't compact very easily So even the tiniest seeds can germinate and pop through the soil really easily, but it can be a little pricey. And because it's so lightweight, it's really messy to work with, at least I think so, because it's very dry and staticky and gets everywhere. Because it's sterile, there aren't any good microbes in there either. So while that's good for germinating seeds, the roots kind of miss out on all the good soil microbes. A bagged seed starting mix is one option to use when starting seeds indoors, but there are other options. You could really use any basic bagged soil mix that you have. Potting mix for containers will work just fine for starting seeds. The plainer the better though. So just a basic potting mix, no added fertilizer, no moisture-absorbing polymers, no extra promises, just something that's lightweight and doesn't have a whole lot of chunks in it. That will work just fine for starting seeds. The bagged potting mixes are usually pretty good for container-grown plants. They have a little more moisture-absorbing qualities, And they contain things that help soak up water like peat moss and core fiber. You just want to skip the extras like slow-release fertilizer. You're trying to germinate and grow seedlings. And believe it or not, extra fertilizer is not necessary or very good for newborn seedlings. It's just too rich. So bland, boring, basic potting soil is what you want to work with if you have a nice established garden with nicely amended soil you can use a couple scoops of that just go out to your raised bed take a bit of the soil from (coughs) from your garden and use that for your your seed starting project soil from your garden is going to be more dense than the nice fluffy lightweight seed starting mix it's also going to contain more microbes than a new bag of heat treated seed starting mix. The soil pH, it will be less neutral than the bag stuffed. Um, it could be a little harder to get your seeds to germinate indoors. But since you are using soil from your garden, those seedlings will become more familiar with the growing medium. And that has an advantage because it could help reduce transplant shock when a seedling is um, grown in a similar soil to where it will permanently live it doesn't freak out as bad because it's like oh okay you're taking me out of this seed starting cup um and it's really different out here but it's also kind of familiar so i think i'm gonna like it out here The kind of soil your seedlings are started in, it's not that much of a game changer. If you have struggled with starting seeds inside, then changing your growing medium is um, something that you really should try. It's not a tremendous big deal. The transplant shock is more likely to happen when you've disturbed the roots too much the older your plants are when you transplant them into the garden, the better they will tolerate being moved. But if, you're having, if you've had trouble in the past with um, pathogens or damping off inside your house um, while starting seeds, then maybe try a bagged soil starting mix. Okay, be sure to catch the show next week because I'm going to have more tips on starting seedlings we have some time if you want to get um your tomatoes and pepper seeds started january 18th is really just a target date but if you don't get around to it until after that to start your seeds indoors that's fine too it's just a goal for us to shoot for okay friends thank you for joining me again today i hope everyone is Having a great year so far, we're off to a great start. All right, we'll chat next week.